When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate. You call on such lost creatures for them. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very might not be glad that you did. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they can become something more. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast and resource devoted to discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host and good friend, Christopher Bruffett. Chris, how's it going? We're back actually doing this. It's really nice to be recording again. Sorry for my recording quality. It will be corrected ASAP. No, it's great. I, I'm just dreaming about the day I can play some uh, MCP with my buds again. Oh my goodness. You're absolutely right, Chris. Yeah, what a strange time we're living in. You know, I touched on this in our Ultimate Encounter Hulk episode, but things have escalated since then too, right? I mean, just all production stopped of new stuff, all shipping stopped of new stuff because of COVID-19. And on top of that, Chris, a lot of things happened in our lives as of well. Of course. Some good, some bad, and, and, you know, and of course, all hitting during this frustrating and complicated and difficult time, especially when we're not getting any gaming as an outlet. Both of us were laid off from our jobs right. due to this pandemic, and that was unexpected and a huge bummer. So that whole gaming income is going to be gone for a little bit. That's okay. We've got plenty of games to play and plenty of models to paint. We're rolling with the punches, and I know... You took a big risk moving out of town and taking a new job, and then all this craziness happened, so I feel for you there. And then, of course, I had a child with medical stuff, and then we had a worldwide pandemic hit, and then no daycare centers anywhere, not leaving the house. A lot of things that have put a damper on MCP for us, but we're still talking about it. We're still writing about it. We're still researching and we're still doing our homework. So that's the good news today, despite all the not so fun news of not as much playing. And what a lot of homework there's been lately with Goodness. with all these announcements that have been going on in lieu of, you know, big gaming festivals and, and gaming conventions and everything. We've got a lot of announcements to kind of make up for it. And it's truly been quite a lot. A lot, a lot, Chris. You're absolutely right. That's the super interesting part about all this. A lot of people were kind of in some hard and dark times, but Atomic Mass took it on themselves to just 
post more. And with these things like Adepticon and now Gen Con canceled, I love that they're just taking initiative to basically still drop the good news, just not do it in person. It's been a, a very nice distraction. It's been something more to think about, something to pour creative energies into during this time of social distancing and quarantining and everything like that. It's been nice and and props to Atomic Mass for really kind of stepping up and and keeping MCP in our thoughts. Absolutely, Chris. So let's talk about real quick what was spoiled. We're not going to go into like the stats of these characters, but we are just going to touch on who was revealed. And, you know, some of this was characters we've already known were revealed, but we kind of got their cards finally, which is great because in lieu of the pandemic, a lot of releases, namely Wave 5 that were supposed to come out, just were completely not sent out. Some people got them in Europe, but most, if not all people in the United States, not get them. And, you know, that being the rest of the Guardians and the beginnings of the Black Order. So Proxima Midnight, Corvus Glaive, Gamora, and Nebula are the ones that stand out from this wave. And we didn't get those. They're about to arrive. That's the fun part. These are all names I'm excited to have. They're all models I'm oh, excited yeah. to put together and models I'm excited to paint. Models I'm excited to play. Especially the Black Order. You all know I've been talking mm-hmm. about the Black Order since episode one. It's just I'm very excited for them to come into our lives, I guess I should say. Absolutely. It, it sucks that everything's been pushed back a little bit, but Atomic Mass has been doing a good job of kind of staying on top of it and doing their best and keeping everything in the forefront. Yeah, and by around this point, Chris, originally we, we were supposed to be getting the wave that followed that as well, which you know was the rest of the Guardians and the rest of the Black Order. So that being Drax and Ronan, which were revealed on the stream. And then, of course, Ebony Maw and Black Dwarf. These have all been revealed, which is great. So in us not getting them, we still get to see their cards. We still get to discuss them. We still get to think about them. And you and I get to start doing our our history research and our strategy research a little bit early. But though we do want to get them to the table first before we get to those episodes, luckily those episodes are a ways off. And then, of course, we got a couple more unexpected models at the end, which was we got the reveal of Hawkeye and the new Black Widow, who is now Three Threat, which is very exciting. So she's a much stronger Black Widow than the Two Threat version. And just Hawkeye, Chris who's a three threat sniper and i just kind of love that like he's just gonna fit in a lot of lists i love the idea of hawkeye sitting on an objective and just taking shots at the opposing team i'm I'm very excited about that 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 really covers that space that kind of dead two or three points that you've had previously with short range characters that are kind of quick moving you're you know two point black widows and and things. And now you might get a little offensive production out of that spot of sitting on objectives. And that sounds really fantastic to me. Yeah, Chris, and I got to mention too with this set, I know a lot of people were a little bummed that Black Widow was having a second model come out for her in a different version of Black Widow before they got some other heroes, but just be patient. They're going to arrive. There's a reason for all this and it's it still it makes it even sadder because this of course was lined up with the Black Widow film, the Hawkeye and Black Widow, of course, but that got delayed till November, which is very upsetting. So all this is just kind of wonky right now, but most importantly, Atomic Mass said with this Hawkeye and Black Widow expansion pack that we would be getting a new updated Avengers affiliation card, which would of course have Hawkeye on it and the new version of Black Widow on it as well. So 
when it says Black Widow on the Avengers card, that's kind of the cool part. It, either version of her is an Avenger. So it's you take Not your pick. Not only am I excited about the fact that you can use whichever model you want yeah. to kind of portray Black Widow on the tabletop, but this kind of idea of alternative heroes is really opened up my imagination to a lot of cool ideas that Atomic Mass could bring in, such as, you know, your ultimate Spider-Man or mm. your superior Spider-Man, you know, things like that. Even Black Suit Spidey, just using one character, how yeah. many different versions can you go? And which one do you want to use? Which one do you want to use? Which points? Which powers? It just opens up so much in terms of list building inside the parameters that have already been established with these affiliations. It sounds awesome. Yeah, you're right, Chris. Let's, let's not forget tactic cards. If a tactic card says Spider-Man on it can do X, well, if all these characters are named Spider-Man, but they have different alter egos, like Miles Morales, I'm pretty sure Miles Morales will be named Spider-Man. Right. It'll just be alter ego Miles Morales. So if there's a tactic card that refers to Spider-Man, well, now it's kind of even more interesting. It's like, which Spider-Man are you taking? Are you taking the corset Peter? Are you taking Miles? Are you taking maybe this black suit in the future that we really want? It's pretty endless but on top of that we always say don't get overwhelmed actually view this as a a beautiful picture of the game where people can just choose what they want you know they don't have to buy all this stuff absolutely saying that and ironically chris you and i are in that position now without jobs i mean we're gonna have to take a little break from buying every single model and just buy what we can what we want what we want and just strictly after we pay our fees to keep the lights on, just whatever we have left off of the Patreon or something, we're going to use to buy a model to bring you guys content. But that's okay because we don't need every model in this game, especially not when they first come out. There's so many things. There's so many things we haven't even played with as much as we want to. Like say Wakanda. So many things have come out. Bam, 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 bam. So quickly. And I know there's these big releases coming out for me with the guardians as a whole. And then for you, Chris, the black order as a whole. And what's exciting about that is we've seen all this information. And then of course we saw some more of the infinity gems. And then after that atomic mass just slam dunked on us. We knew this was coming, but we just weren't ready for it. And that was the announcement recently of Ant-Man and the wasp and this new kind of keyword they're doing called transformations where you're going to have multiple models for a certain hero because they're going to transform and their size is going to change between stat cards and things like that. And presumably their abilities, maybe Ant-Man when he's really small, he's going to have different abilities. I would assume that they would have slightly different abilities or powers given different transformations, but different models, Chris, different models. If Ant-Man and Wasp don't have different powers based on their transformations, someone in the future will. Yes. And this different models thing, I just think it's a great way to go. It's just going to offer so much choice. And it makes you ask questions, too, in the design space. Exactly. Ghost Rider was revealed. He looks incredible. He's on his motorcycle. But now I'm sitting there, and it's a big base model. But now I'm sitting there thinking, does Ghost Rider have a transformation where he's just on the ground? You know, right. off his motorcycle melee mode. There's a lot of questions we have now with this new design space that they so generously gave to us during this drought of gaming. And what's funny, Chris, is we're not even to Gen Con yet. So they're dropping all this pre-Gen Con. I know Gen Con's been canceled, but you know everyone's going to be finding a way to 
kind of do what FFG does, or they do the in-flight report, maybe do that in a live stream format or do some like articles. There's going to be great content around Gen Con. And, you know, maybe that's when we'll get that announcement of that X-Men. Dude, course. I'm hoping I'm, I'm just hoping and but dreaming. Can we handle that right I now? I can't. Though? I haven't even got to play the black order yet. Like, I how know. can I move on to the X-Men when I haven't got to play the black order in at least a tournament? X-Men is like top echelon Marvel for, Chris and I, and I don't even think I necessarily want them right now. Chris. Not yet. Give me another year. Yeah. Let the game breathe for another year before you introduce the X-Men. That, that's how I feel right now. <laughs> I might feel different tomorrow. We'll see. Oh, yeah. The day that announcement comes out, we're both going to feel completely different. It's <laughs> Absolutely. Just, it's just like, you know, I'm just being realistic here. It's just when you first go to a party and people hand you multiple shots, I'm like, no, 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 no. It's I just arrived. Like this is <laughs> I don't need, you know, that shot of Cyclops right now. I'm just so excited about Ant-Man and the Wasp because first of all, they're kind of doing that fun thing where they bridge the gap between the MCU and the comics with their look. Though they lean Wasp leans more comics, Ant-Man leans a little more MCU. But Chris, just different models, like a super small model for their small form and a regular size model for their regular form is just a neat idea. And then, of course, that's more painting and more hobbying, which is exciting, too. And I can't wait to do some fun stuff with their bases, do a giant blade of grass for Ant-Man's base, you know, on a small model or like a circuit board, for like a motherboard piece or something. I'm just fun things. If they don't do it, you can. And I know you will. I you will. love rebasing. You love it. It's just a great way to distinguish your models from others, especially when you're in the mirror. And it's a great way to give your models extra character. You can change the sculpt some, but you can't change it a lot. So a lot of that is in your paint scheme and your basing. So that's what I like to do. And I'm sure you guys have seen a lot of the stuff I've been posting on our socials with that type of stuff. But it's so much stuff going on right now, Chris. We're in the middle of this virus. We're getting all these spoilers no one's played MCP in forever except on Tabletop Simulator. And let's just talk about that real quick. You and I both got Tabletop Simulator and have downloaded it. We have not played MCP on it I'm yet. actually legitimately very excited to play MCP on Tabletop Simulator. I was too when I saw that giant Sentinel head as one of the mm -hmm. terrain pieces. Mm -hmm. And then I'm just excited just to get reps, especially when Chris lives so far away now and... We're going to be experiencing different metas in the future and different local gaming groups and stuff. But on top of that, if it's refined, it could just be a fun way to maybe even host community events in the future. Absolutely. We would love to do. We would love to host some community events, especially during times like these. Maybe but a Fury's Finest listener tournament. That would be amazing. Wouldn't that be cool? But, you know, baby steps, Chris. You know, I, I have added voice channels to our patron-only Discord for TTS, so like TTS Game 1, TTS mm -hmm. Game 2, 3, where people can you know have a safe and fun place just to talk because TTS is really not fun in the chat. It, you have to do voice comms. You just have you to. You have to. It's the only way to keep things light. You can't keep track of it and, either. Well, it's a little too cold. It's a little too mm -hmm. you know formal. When you feel like you're playing with a friend, it helps. Mm -hmm. And when you're with someone, part of a community, you're chatting with each other, you know, fairly right. frequently. It, it's a lot easier to play a game like that. It's such an intimate type thing. And it's helpful, too. It's helpful to the other player and to yourself when you, you state things out loud, like, I am moving Venom to this spot. You know, I am triggering this attack. Those sort of things actually help us become better gamers and also just help us make the game 
more fun for new people because that's how you do demos, Chris. That's how you do streams that you and I have done. If you don't do that, it's kind of just like two people playing a game silently or like very competitively. And it's just not as fun. And it's just better to talk about what you're doing with the other player and explain it because miniatures games are already tough enough in person. And on a platform like TTS, you really got to explain, you know, how many actions you took, what'd you do, all that type of stuff. So something we're looking forward to, have you guys done it? Let us know. And we would love to get some games going with listeners and especially patrons. Chris, today we've got a insanely huge episode. You and I could talk all day about just the state of the world and these spoilers. We could talk more than an episode's worth of just that stuff. But unfortunately, we've got a big episode about a big character called Loki. And I think we just got to get well, into let's it. Let's get on into it. <laughs> Fury's Finest is sponsored by Discount Games, Inc., Go to www.discountgamesinc.com for all your Marvel Crisis Protocol and miniature gaming needs. Our patrons support Fury's Finest at patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoy the show, consider supporting us with a monthly contribution. We thank all of our patrons for the support. And we can't thank you guys enough right now because... If you're pledging a couple dollars a month to us right now, that's saying a lot with the state of the world and where everybody's at financially and just state of mind. So we really appreciate the patrons and just thank you so much. Our patron community, Chris, is so fun. The second you become a patron of the show, you get to join our Discord. That's a whole nother community in itself. It's great. There's just groups of people talking about MCP all day. And talking about spoilers and hobbying. I just love it so much. And we just want that Discord to grow because it's kind of a super serious, tight-knit group about this game. It's been great. It's been wonderful to see the the community grow. It's been more vibrant than I expected, to be 100% honest with you. It's been wonderful. We want to send a huge thank you to Matt B. this week. Thank you so much for being a patron of the show. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Matt. Chris, let's get into lore. Well, today, Jesse, we're going to be talking about a heavy hitter. His name is Loki. We all know him. We all maybe love him or hate him, but he's a lot either way. And he would love that. He would love you hearing you say that. So let's that. start off. Who is the character? Many years ago, Bor, the ruler of Asgard before Odin, was leading the Asgardians into battle against the Frost Giants. He follows a wounded Frost Giant to a powerful sorcerer that unexplicably is waiting for him. The sorcerer catches Boar unawares and turns Boar into drifting snow. Boar's son, Odin, finds his father as he's blowing away. Boar begs Odin to find the sorcerer to free him. Odin makes no attempt to save his father. So in return, Boar curses Odin saying that he will take in the son of a fallen king and raise him as his own. And not a week later, Odin himself, leading the Asgardians into battle against the Frost Giants, kills Lofi, the king of the Frost Giants, in personal combat. After slaying Lofi, Odin finds a small, Asgardian-sized child hidden in the primary stronghold of the Frost Giants. This child is Loki. Lofi has kept Loki hidden from the Frost Giant people due to his the shame of his son's small size. Odin takes the child, and out of combination to pity and to appease the memory of his father, Odin raises Loki as his own. 
Well, and most notable, Chris, he raises his adopted son, Loki, this frost giant child, alongside his own biological son, Thor. And that's who we did recently was Thor. So this is all becoming full circle. And we know that Thor and Loki are forever tied together, very much like Red Skull and Captain America, though different. Let's talk about Loki's first appearance in comics. The modern age Loki made his first official Marvel appearance in Journey into Mystery number 85 in October 1962. The modern age Loki was introduced by brothers and co-writers Stan Lee and Larry Lieber and then was redesigned by Jack Kirby. Now, this redesign had to happen. In other Marvel comics, Loki made his first appearance in 1949. Of course, he was a member of the Olympian gods. He was exiled to the underworld, all those things. But he wasn't the modern-day Loki, the arch-nemesis to Thor, the Loki we think of. That Loki was the Loki that Jesse just mentioned that had his first appearance in 1962. That's still substantial though, Chris, 13 years, him being that far back. I did not know until we got into this homework for this episode that Loki was as far back as some of the staples of comics, you know, in DC and Marvel, like a lot of the characters that came out in the forties and fifties, I did not know he was originally There's kind of a surprising number of characters that you wouldn't expect that have been around that long. Like pre-60s. Yeah, I mean, such as Groot. Groot's been around for a much longer time than you realize. And it's great, because Groot is great. (laughs) He's great. So let's get into Loki's history. Throughout his childhood and into adolescence, Loki was resentful of the differences between how Thor and himself were treated by the citizens of Asgard. The Asgardians valued great strength, great tenacity, and bravery in battle above all things. And Loki was clearly inferior to his brother in these areas. What he lacked in size, strength, and bravery, however, he made up for in power and skill, particularly in sorcery. As Loki grew into adulthood, his natural talent for causing mischief would make itself manifest and earn himself a nickname as the God of Mischief. His mischievousness eventually became malice as his hunger for power and revenge grew stronger. Several times he tried to use tricks to get rid of Thor, such as telling him to guard a hole in the wall that he himself had made. In this time, his reputation grew from being a playful and mischievous trickster to the god of evil. Over the centuries, Loki attempted on many occasions to seize the rulership of Asgard and to destroy Thor even helping the storm giant Gon to escape Thor and planned to gain a debt from him later, and aiding other enemies of Asgard, planning to take over. Odin, who had grown weary of Loki's mischief, magically imprisoned him within a tree until someone would shed a tear for his plight. Loki eventually freed himself by causing a leaf to strike Heimdall, the guardian of Bifrost, in the eye, which made him shed a tear. And of course... That's comical because we all just think of Idris Elba <laughs> shedding a tear. It, it makes tear. you shed a tear yourself. It does. Every time they announce new Bond announcements and it's not Idris, I shed a tear. We all shed a tear. Because he needs to be the next Bond. Case closed. We all agree. Case closed. Don't add us. Loki <laughs> compiled an extensive criminal record in Asgard and was frequently exiled. He later met the sorcerer Eldred, who taught him black magic repaying Eldred by later giving him two 
the fire demon, Sortor. We've seen Sortor a lot, Chris, this being our third Asgardian episode. Turns out he's been in the history of our first two episodes quite a bit. He's reoccurring villain. I love reoccurring villains. And he's a crucial part to Ragnarok, so that's important as well. Loki's schemes eventually came to include the Earth itself, and often fought with the Earth's superhuman heroes in order to take their planet, and often Asgard itself. He first battled Thor on Earth in modern times. After escaping from the tree, Loki then manipulated the Hulk into wrecking havoc using an illusion of dynamite on train tracks, while in astral form, in an attempt to lure Thor to Earth which inadvertently led to the formation of the Avengers as several other heroes came to meet the Hulk and came to help. Don't you love that about this? You just love that the MCU formation Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. the Avengers, while not exactly the same, mirrors the actual formation of the Avengers in comics. It's just wonderful how much care they took to pay respect to the backstory while also updating it for a modern time in a different universe. It is a completely different universe. And I'm a firm believer in that. Once again, don't at me. Don't Don't at at me. me. But yeah, Loki inadvertently made the greatest superhero team in the Marvel stuff to happen. And that's pretty fun. He's probably pretty proud of that. Thor was one of the founding members of this superhuman team and often led them into battle against Loki. Several times, Loki, while not directly battling Thor, caused other threats for Thor to battle, like increasing the mental powers of a carnival fortune teller, Sandu, making him powerful enough to lift buildings with his mind, and releasing a lava man called Molto by accident while causing a long-dead volcano to explode. When Loki convinced Odin to punish Thor, Odin took away half of Thor's power, after which Loki returned the memory of the 23rd century villain Zarko. Zarko defeated Thor and took him back to help conquer his time period. Although the God of Thunder was able to finally capture the villain, Loki even released Mr. Hyde and Cobra by paying their bail, then doubled their powers. Loki told them to kidnap Jane Foster, which Loki knew would attract Thor's attention, but he was again defeated. Loki finally went after James Foster himself, sending her into another dimension. However, Doctor Strange was able to protect her, and Thor forced Loki to return her. Loki is a pot stir. That's what he's. That's what he's doing, man. He's just kind of a little craphead, you know. He riles people up, mainly bad guys. He says, "Hey, I'm a super powerful sorcerer, so I'm going to increase your powers, and you don't know, but you're working for me." But he's not directly saying, I rule over you, Thanos-style, or even some of these other villains in the MCU we, we've already talked about, like Ultron. No, he's just like, how about I get you out of jail and double your powers, and then you do a couple things for me. And he's just stirring that pot, man, and he's always trying to foil his brother's plans. And that seems to be a recurring theme with his resentment. And that seems to be a main streak of his character. Among Loki's better-known henchmen was the human criminal Carl the Crusher Creel, whom Loki transformed into the superhuman criminal known as the Absorbing Man. Creel would then prove to be a formidable adversary to Thor and the other Avengers over the years. Loki went so far as to attempt to turn Odin against Thor and steal Thor's enchanted hammer Molnir and attempt to attain freedom, but all of his efforts failed. 
Upon convincing Odin to go to Earth and leave him in charge of Asgard with part of the Odin force, he released Skog, the largest storm giant, and Sortor, the largest fire demon, in order to destroy Odin. So he just double-crossed his own dad. However, Thor and Balder helped defeat the monsters, and Loki was sent to serve the trolls. Loki is responsible for the Destroyer being awakened by leading a hunter to the temple where the Destroyer armor resided, using their mental abilities while Thor was nearby, causing the soul of the hunter to animate the armor. Thor then forced the hunter to return to its body, then buried the armor under thousands of tons of rock. The Absorbing Man was brought back to Earth by Loki, and then battled Thor. But Loki quickly took him to Asgard when Thor was on the verge of defeating him. So he's got to bring these minions back. You know, they can't die. They got to work for me in the future. The Absorbing Man defeated the Asgardians without too much trouble and absorbed Odin's attacks. However, Loki and the Absorbing Man were exiled into space due to a trick by Odin. Loki, sending his astroform back to Earth and taking over the Destroyer armor, attempting to take over Asgard, Odin then sends Baldur to discover the location of Loki, using his powers to send Loki out of the destroyer armor and breaking the astral link. A lot of stuff going on here. Chris. It's a very convoluted. It's very long. It's been a lot of years in the making. Right. You know, you just got to do your best to keep up. Morwen, a powerful agent of chaos, was released and took Tessa Black, a daughter of Loki, from his female form as a host. With Doctor Strange unavailable, Loki and Spider-Man work together to free her. Loki proclaims that he owes an as-of-yet unpaid debt to his temporary ally. A short while later, Loki is prophesized to lead Asgard's enemies into destroying the Eternal Realm in a final conflict known as Ragnarok, part of the continuing Asgardian cycle of birth, life, and death presided over the beings known as those who sit above in shadow, who draw sustenance from the energies expended during these cycles. In the final confrontation between the brothers before the battle, Thor hung Loki's head from his belt so he could watch the final moments of the battle. That's pretty brutal. That's wow. pretty Norse. You know, it's that's a lot. That's, that's a right. Lot. That's a lot. You're going to watch as you become my belt buckle. After Ragnarok, Loki returned to his female body, working with Dr. Doom, so Thor would unwittingly resurrect his Asgardian enemies and manipulated Balder to make him the new successor to the throne of Asgard. Secretly, Loki additionally retained his male form, carrying Thor's reborn lover, Sif, within himself as his daughter. During this period, Hela and Loki used dark magic to send Loki to the past to cause the events that led to his younger self being adopted by Odin as a means to eliminate Bor, Thor's grandfather. So this is a lot in this one paragraph, Chris. A lot. So working with Dr. Doom, they made Thor resurrect Asgardian enemies, became the new successor to the throne. Loki retained his male form, also retained his female form. Thor's lover being inside Loki's body. What a trickster. That's really the only thing you can think, right? And then Loki and Hela using black magic to basically change the past and He's future. just tricking the universe, you know? It's a lot. Luckily, we've only got one more little tidbit to kind of uh, to, to wade through to bring us up to mostly modern times. During the secret invasion, Loki goaded the Asgardians into believing that Beta Ray Bill, of all characters, we've heard him before. One of my favorite characters was a scroll. 
But Thor showed that Loki was lying. After the scrolls were defeated, he joined the Cabal, consisting of himself, Norman Osborn, Emma Frost, Doctor Doom, Namor, and the Hood. So Osborn could launch his new world order, promising Loki that he could restore Asgard back to the heavens where it belonged. Loki and Sif are soon restored to their respective bodies following the Hood's depowerment. Then Loki offers the Hood a second chance. And that brings us to modern times with Loki. Right. If you really want to catch up to the minutia since then and what we were just talking about, you're going to have to kind of follow along on Marvel Unlimited or, you know, go crate digging and find yourself some comics, which neither is a bad option, to be honest with. No. And I'm just in shock hearing this super group of super villains of the new leaders of the cabal, Chris. I just, I it's love a lot that. of heavy hitters there, right? A lot of heavy hitters from a lot of different universes working together. And Loki is one of the key players. And that is pretty interesting. And also, you know, Loki being cabal. That's something we can discuss in strategy today because this man plays all the teams at all the different times. And this is just in the comics. This is obviously something we're going to re- return to in strategy, but that's kind of his thing, Chris. He is the trickster and he's been on so many teams. As you mentioned earlier, he's worked with Spider-Man. There's so many interesting moments of his career that are worth looking at because he is more of a gray character with an evil streak. You and I have talked off mic before that he is a kind of chaotic neutral. I 100% believe that he is chaotic neutral. I don't think he is a true villain, a true incarnate of evil. I think he's just a selfish guy. That's a good assessment. If you want to catch up on more Loki, as Chris said, there's a lot that's come out since Secret Invasion, but that was his last major arc that we're covering today. But we do need to cover the MCU, Chris, because as you mentioned earlier, they're separate universes and this is separate Loki, though pulling from a lot of this story read today. So Loki's first appearance in the MCU was Thor. Of course it was Thor. So this is where we see not only Thor's beginning, but Loki's beginnings. We see their sibling rivalry and also just their kind of uh, hatred of each other. And of course, that leads right into the Avengers where Loki is the first wave of the Black Order and Thanos' plans. And Loki is the first puppet in the, you know, giant play we have of Thanos' eventual plan. And of course, he's the villain of this movie. This is his movie. I think part of this movie being so enjoyable and why people like it so much is because Loki plays such a large part. He has so many lines. He has all those great lines talking about how people are meant to be ruled and these type of things. And he wants this. He wants to rule the Earth. And of course, he brings about the Avengers forming and eventually defeating him, which is the beginning of that phase of Marvel, actually. So it's, it's great. Right after that, we have Thor the Dark World, which is Thor 2. This is where we have Thor fighting the Dark Elves, and we have Loki, a major part of this as well. Parts of it, he is, of course, locked up, and also he gets killed for the first time in this, Chris. And I say the first time, because recurring theme of Loki is returning from the dead, or like you said, tricking people in different ways. Well, and we'll cover that a little bit in Superpowers, but he has some special tricks to get out of being dead. That's pretty cool. So then after that, of course, we have Avengers Age of Ultron. He's mentioned, and what he did in the Avengers is mentioned. 
After that, we have Captain America Civil War. He's also mentioned in their conflict. And, you know, he's a major player in the MCU. Of course, he's going to be mentioned. And the final mention he has, Chris, is right after that in the timeline, we have Doctor Strange. And of course, he's mentioned. And, you know, that's interesting because you and I have been going through these Asgardian stories lately, and Strange has been popping up quite a bit. He popped up a lot in Valkyrie's story, Chris. Of course, Valkyrie and Strange being key members of the Defenders. And it's just so interesting to see him popping up around in different ways. And of course, we're going to tie all the cosmic to the parallel universes and all this stuff in, in no time with this next phase of Marvel. After that, we only have three more titles Loki's been in up to this point. That is Thor Ragnarok, which is once again... The epitome of the Asgardian movie, and of course, Loki plays a role in it as well. Though not as big as you would think, still rather large of the film. And this is kind of where Thor and Loki mend their bridges. Because this is where we find out that Loki was not actually dead. He was posing to be Odin ruling Asgard, which is what we saw earlier in the story of the comics. By the end of this... The brothers are working together. They're fighting together against Hela. And that's a really great theme we have, their relationship being repaired. It's very heartwarming. Of course, after that, we have Avengers Infinity War. We have to talk about this because the opening scene of the film is Hulk being defeated by Thanos because Hulk is with the Asgardians. And all the Asgardians being killed by the Black Order, just leaving Hulk, Thor, and Loki left. And Loki tries one more trick to stab Thanos with a special tricky dagger, and it does not work. And Thanos crushes his head in front of Thor and lets Thor live with just the torment of it. Pretty brutal, because that's actually where his story ends, because we do see Loki again in Avengers Endgame, but of course that's in the past when they time travel and they go to these other set pieces of the Avengers and, you know, Thor the Dark World and things. You know, Loki's not there, but like, touching on these set pieces, and we see actually... Maybe some of what we talked about in the comic section today, Chris, where Loki gets the Tesseract in this new Avengers timeline and teleports himself out of there. So that's a whole nother story they're going to pursue in the future. Of course, that brings us up to modern day. Some point next year, we are getting the Disney Plus television show. We don't have a show or miniseries, but it is a live action show called Loki. And, you know, I think he might make some appearances in maybe Doctor Strange too, the Multiverse of Madness and things like that. Absolutely. Time will tell, Chris, but I am super excited because it seems like once again with the time travel stuff and the end game and some of the events that happened with the stones, it seems that Loki is alive again. Some form of him is. I mean, I have no doubt that Loki is going to be around at least as long as Thor is around. Maybe longer. <laughs> well, let's talk about Tom Hiddleston playing Loki. I mean, I think he is without a doubt one of my favorite parts of the MCU because he does bring that nuance, that neutrality to the character, that arrogance, that brilliance, all of it. I think his performance is stellar. I think he kind of sold a lot of people on the big moments of the MCU going forward, which was the Avengers. That was the, you know, the gamble at the beginning was the earlier films that were standalones. And then the true gamble was bringing the ensembles together and what a better way to bring an ensemble together than having a fantastically acted and well-done villain. He's been film. fantastic. He's really made the role his own. He embodies that character now. The character in the comics looks like him. It's very true. It's they been great. It. He's been wonderful. So let's talk about really fast Loki's superpowers. Loki, of course, is a member of the race of frost giants of Jotunheim, 
Although not giant in stature, he does possess the physical attributes equal to a member of his race, such as enhanced strength, stamina, and frost giant metabolism. He has their speed, their durability, he can withstand high-caliber bullets without harm, and immunity to all known diseases and toxins. Of course, he has an inherent resistance to magic and aging, being a frost giant as well. Now, beyond being a frost giant, we have the fact that he is a genius. He's had extensive magic training. He is a shapeshifter, and he has a couple of ways to cheat death. Mm. Those are all pretty powerful. That's right. So he's a master sorcerer, kind of archmage sort of character. And on top of that, he's got some of these demigod abilities and these things he's got through the race of the frost giants. And wow, no wonder he's so powerful and he always is doing the same things. So Chris, before we close out lore, do you have any comic book recommendations about this character? I have a couple. I would like to recommend Young Avengers by Kieran Gillian. This is going to be Loki when he has been placed into a kind of teenage Loki form with a bunch of other teenage superheroes. It's a really fun book. Then after that, we have Fear Itself, which is in Journey to Mysteries, number 622 through 626, and also 628 and 629. Those are some consummate kind of modern Loki storyline stories. That is wonderful. I will definitely check those out, Chris, because I want to read more about this character that we love so much. All right, Chris, let's talk about Loki and MCP and let's get over to strategy. His name is Loki, God of Mischief. His alter ego is Loki Lafesen. He has five stamina, a medium speed, a height of two, and a threat of four. His defenses are as follows. Three physical, three energy, four mystic. On his injured side, Chris, exactly the same. Five stamina, same physical defenses. Anything stand out to you about this character before we get on to attacks? It's interesting to see his mystic defense at four. We haven't really seen a mystic defense higher than everything else, much less being higher than average, the average being three. Yeah, we've only got a few characters that have that. Oddly enough, some like the Hulk. Interesting. I like the theme, though. I like the theme. We got these great minds. Their minds are strong against the mystic arts. The other thing that stands out to me is it's an awful lot of text on his card for four threat. You're saying you might think it would be considerably higher. Maybe maybe 4.5, maybe. Okay, fair enough. Well, Chris, let's get into attacks and you just start us off. His first attack is a strike. It is a physical attack. It is range 2, strength 5, zero power cost. After this attack is resolved, the character gains power equal to the damage dealt. This is a fairly standard MCP first attack. That's right. It's physical. It's a strength of 5. It's range 2. All the standard things are there. But, you know, it's nice, Chris, to have this mystical mage sorcerer character have a physical attack if you really need it, like someone who's weak to physical. But I'm assuming this is his staff or something like that. It's certainly not a spell. It is just him hitting somebody upside the head. His second attack is an energy attack called Frost Blast. It is a beam three range, a strength of four, and a power cost of zero. If this attack deals damage, 
After the attack is resolved, the target character gains the slow special condition. So Chris, first, before you even get to the trigger, let's just talk about this is a range three that's a beam three. So of course, we've talked about beams on the show. And just beam is anyone that's caught in that range ruler of that range. So in this case, three, you get to perform individual attacks against them in any order you choose. So it's kind of like you get three people in the beam, you get to perform three attacks, which is great. It's only a strength of four, which is rather low, but that's okay because as long as you deal a damage, you get to dish out a free condition. In this case, it is slow. Slow is a new condition we have where essentially... You give them a slow token, and you reduce their speed to the short movement template. Coupled with some of the powers we're going to read here in just a second, that slow condition really, really plays a big part in his power set. I, I don't want to say it's a linchpin, but if you're getting that slow condition on people, it's going to make Loki much more powerful. Absolutely, Chris. It's going to work within his own kit, as you mentioned, but it's also going to work within your teams because ideally you're pairing Loki with some heavy hitters, some finishers per se. And this beam attack that gives out slows is going to be a good way to set up that attack. You might do a little bit of damage to people, but really they can't run away. And you are slowing them from either going to future objectives or slowing them so your heavy hitter can come in and finish the attack. And I think he's a good pair with a lot of these higher damage characters, but we'll get to that in a bit. So let's talk about his most interesting attack. This is called Illusions. It is a range four, strength six, power cost three, mystic attack. And upon rolling two wilds, two, two, not just one, two, you have to roll two. You're going to gain mesmerize mesmerize reads as follows after this attack is resolved you may advance the target character its speed after the advance is resolved all other characters within range two of the target character suffer one damage so once again not a high strength attack and six which is worth something but you're really trying to do it chris for this trigger and the six dice is going to lead to a higher likelihood of these two wilds, because two wilds is tough to trigger. Absolutely. But if you trigger it, you essentially turn the given character you attacked into a mini bomb, and you move them up to their speed. So take note of that, Black Panther, with your Mm -hmm. long move. Mm -hmm. And then you move Black Panther into a group of his team, and he deals the damage to everyone around him. So this is a pretty amazing fear ability. This is like a fear ability from RPGs and it's just classic. It's just so classic. And on top of that, the little damage at the end is a nice thing. So let's just talk about it isolated by itself, Chris. Like even if it didn't do the damage, you're taking control of one of their characters and moving it up to its speed, however you want. That's absolutely crippling for someone like the Hulk or MODOK who just got set up finally, and they're trying to do this big attack and you take them away from their attack. Or even someone like Venom who has a short speed and he worked a while or crossbones to get into that range and then you take him away. But even like we talked about with, say, Black Panther, some of these long movers, objective grabbers, just make them run away from the objective that they thought they had secured. It's just more battlefield control. Yeah. And then you get damage at the end of their activation. You almost need to look at it as just moving someone their speed is huge in this game because this game only has so many actions you can take in exactly the six turns so i just think it's phenomenal it's obviously hard to trigger but 
Lastly on this attack, Chris, it's a six mystic attack. There are some characters with some strong mystic defense, but then there's characters with some weak mystic defense. So let's go into his superpowers because I think this is where his card really comes to life. His first superpower is a reactive superpower called I am a God. It costs two power. Before rolling attack or defense dice, you may use this superpower. During this attack, this character adds blanks in its attack or its defense rolls to its successes. So Chris, this is reactive. You just choose to do it when you want, which is great. You just improve your attack or defense results because the blank, of course, is on every dice. So you're just making it better. Now, think about coupling this with Frost Blast when you really need to make sure that you get some damage through to, mm-hmm. to inflict that slow condition. It's fantastic. Yeah, and I, I love that with Frost Blast, Chris, once again, it doesn't get net you power like the strike does, but it still costs zero power. Exactly. So you could think of it that way. Yeah. Exactly. So you could just use this in conjunction with Frost Blast and just assume it's a two power cost. Well, let's talk about this in conjunction with Illusions, though. Now we're getting really pricey because, you know, in right. this game, you can only have a max of 10 power on you. There's a cap. I think, Chris, on this I Am God, you're mainly going to use it on defense. But those times you do use it with the Frost Blast or even the Strike, just to make that physical attack better, if someone's weak to physical, you're going to do it if you have the economy. You have to. It's just, it's too good not to use if you can afford the power. You actually like this better than Friday AI, personally, because that always whiffs for me. And second of all, it's just making blanks something positive rather than just adding extra dice to your pool and trying your luck. Right. Let's talk about his next power. This one is also a reactive superpower. It's going to be called Trickster. It's going to cost three power. When this character is targeted by an attack, you may use this superpower. This character makes a short advance. If, at the end of the advance, this character is outside the attack's range or the attack's line of sight, the attack ends. If it is the attacker's activation and the attack did not target multiple characters, the attacker may take another action. The superpower can only be used once per turn. Now, this power is what makes Loki an ideal late-game objective runner. Right. The medium movement range hurts a little bit, but in the late game, Loki can absolutely nullify enemy attacks on him. It's crazy. If they have a big attack, they're looking to finish Loki off, spin this, just do it. And they even know that you might have to spend it. So that's why they might be doing it. But at the same time, he doesn't die. You don't lose an activation or, you know, he doesn't flip. This is important stuff. It does cost three, Chris, which is quite a bit. And it can only be used once per turn. I don't know. Like, I kind of love it. It's the first really tricky thing we've been introduced to in the game when it comes to attacks. You can get out of line of sight or you can get out of range. It's not fully punishing. Like it would feel really bad. It would feel broken actually if their action just ended. Well, now they choose to do a different action, but you kind of force their hand in a different way. So it's very trickster God, which I really like. And it's just fun. And if you're playing these maps correctly, I know a lot of people are still working on their terrain, still working on their scatter and all that stuff, but there should be plenty of terrain and scatter and stuff even in the central locations of the map where there are objectives. This is where it gets really interesting, Chris. Like He really can be by an objective, like you said, contesting it or controlling it or holding it. And then they attack. He spends the power to do trickster. 
Guess what? Now he's run behind the line of sight of that new dumpster truck, which clearly he is hidden because he has size two behind that. And the line of sight is over. The shot is over. So it's fun. It's really fun. I do love the balance here. If he escapes the attack and it was just aimed at him, the opponent gets another action. Yeah. That's fantastic. So that's good balancing. Just losing that action would would feel, it would feel really so bad. bad. It would feel horrible. Yeah. I would totally abuse that if I was playing Loki. Oh, I know you would. The fun part of this, Chris, is it actually makes him an interesting counter to beam attacks. Right. Because they still took their beam attack action. As long as there's one other character in the beam attack other than Loki, they still are stuck with that action. But guess what? They don't get to do it on Loki. They only get to do it on that one character or those two characters in front of Loki. So in a way, it makes him completely immune to beam attacks any sort of area effects if he can get away. If, he can if you've got this. your positioning right, Yeah, basically. Let's talk about his next superpower, Chris, which is innate. And turns out the last three here are all innate. Asgardian. I think we've seen this before. During the power phase, this character gains one additional power. So still love this innate power to death, Chris, because it has nothing to do with the Asgardian affiliation. These characters can be taken to other lists other groups, Loki and Cabal, for instance, Loki and Avengers, for instance, he's still going to maintain this Asgardian ability of one more economy every power phase. And you know what? That means he can I am a god every turn. Nasty. And if you do it right, he could be doing trickster all the time, every other turn in the very least. This is just neat. And this is a staple of the Asgardians, and I just love that it's a mechanic they brought to this game, where when you even split the Asgardians up, they still have this built into their kits. Let's talk about his next superpower. Now, this is going to be a first for the game, Mm -hmm. which is very exciting. This is called God of Mischief. It is an innate superpower. Now, I'm going to read to you first God of Mischief on the healthy side of Loki. While within range four of this character... Enemy characters must spend one power before using an active or reactive superpower. Now, you flip the card over onto the injured side, and there's additional text to God of Mischief. And that additional text reads like this. Additionally, while within range four of this character, enemy characters do not roll additional dice for critical results. Hmm. That's powerful. They don't explode crits anymore when he's around within range four. But let's talk about the first part of this, Chris. While within range four of this character, enemy characters must spend one power before using active or reactive superpowers. He negates the Avengers affiliation ability, number one, because the discount is now back to normal price. Number two, this adds credence to what we've been talking about so far, Chris, him being a strong control piece for objectives. Absolutely. But also... This power makes him a super high skill character. Right. Trickster already was there, right? With Trickster. Right. But now to get full value out of him, you have to keep him within range four of the characters you're trying to affect. And ideally, you're trying to affect more than one character on the opposing team while staying in a safe location. Pretty hard challenge. My first thought of this, Chris, is go to an attack out of them, perform Trickster, move the direction of the enemy characters who have not activated yet behind your line of sight blocking piece or out of range of this attack. Right. And now when those characters go on their turn, 
you were performing God of Mischief and making their superpowers cost more money. Absolutely. So that can feel really bad to the person that did an attack on Loki. Oh, he got out. I still got an action. Oh, no. But now he is in a central location with my other characters and increasing the cost of all their superpowers with his magic. And I just think this is the part that makes him sing. But you're also right, Chris. This is the part that is the most difficult, high ceiling element of this character. Absolutely. Especially paired with Trickster. It's just really tough. It's something we're looking at more in the future. And I think this is why he's fourth threat. Because once again, Chris, his defense is not great. His health is decent. It's not great either, though. It's 10. It's not even like 12 or something. So you have to manipulate these superpowers correctly. If not, it's going to feel bad. He just has the potential to affect an entire enemy team in one turn. It's absolutely insane. And once again, this comes down to player skill. Yeah. As far as positioning goes, which is, you know, the majority of player skill in tabletop games like this. Well, you have to know Loki. You have to know the objectives, just for starters. Then you have to know every hero on their team, every hero and villain, the way they play and their superpowers. And then you have to know their team composition. Why did they choose what they chose? Why did they choose the affiliation they chose? And then you can manipulate these powers to the best of your abilities. And also, I think there's some interesting space, Chris, to build Loki and certain teams that support him and his weaknesses. Lastly, he has one more innate superpower titled Jim Bearer. This is pretty exciting, Chris. This is our first instance of Jim Bearer on the show within a character, though we did talk about the gems before and how excited we were for them. This is our first instance on a character. And of course, that's coming up very soon again with Star Lord. But essentially, Loki is one of those characters that can take one of these Infinity Gem upgrades. And on his card, it says Jim Bearer, Mind and Space. So you can take the Mind and Space gems on him. Okay, now his threat's going up even more. Because in these lists, we've talked about the Infinity Gems take up one of your 10 slots that would normally be reserved for a character. Well, instead, you're subbing in a gem. Now, what's fun with the gems, Chris, is depending on the threat of the objectives you're playing, you can sub in the gem for anybody that can actually hold it. So you do want to kind of get some cross-gem abilities, like characters that can both use the mind gem in space, say, if you wanted to go that route. We'll look at it in the future, but let's go over the two gems real quick, starting with the mind gem. It is a one threat cost to put this on Loki. Mind Gem. It gives you a new active superpower called Mind Gem. Costs two power. Choose an enemy character within range three and advance it short. The superpower may be used only once per turn. That could be a huge game changer with characters like Venom, Crossbones, Hulk. That could be huge. And it's something you nearly need to keep in mind when team building. But also... It could be huge with a a heavy hitter like Thor, who has a decent movement range, but if you can up that just a little bit. Mess with him. Yeah, just to squeeze that little bit more out of the character, it could be very rewarding. It's pretty great, Chris. And of course, there's some synergy here if you do it right. You could just mind gym somebody for free because it's one of those free superpowers that does not take an action as long as you can pay for it. And then you could potentially Frost Blast or Illusions. You kind of teed them up for these bigger attacks that have other triggers, and then they would be moved by the Mesmerize off of the Illusions. So you could really mess with some people's movements. This gem, I don't think it's essential with Loki. That's the only problem. I don't I don't think so either. But it's interesting. But like you were saying, if you have another character that can utilize the Mind Gem, it might not be a bad idea 
taking it in your roster of 10 just to see how things go. Yeah, because sometimes you get those weird points Exactly. Where you need one or two more points and you don't have, you know, a one cost character in the game yet. That might be a time for the mind gem. But we'll look at the gems deeper in the future because they're still new to us and we're still getting spoilers even for the rest of the gems. But Chris, Loki has one more gem on him and that's the space gem. It is a two threat cost gem. It gives you a new superpower called space gem. It is an active superpower that costs two power. Choose this character or another allied character within three and place it within range two of its current location. This superpower can only be used once per turn. This is a teleport. High threat, which is complicated. Right. But the same power cost to do the superpower, too. You're paying for that power increase, but you need a focal point for it. I would not take this without a clear idea as to how you're going to use it. The simplest thought I have off the top of my head is you run this on Loki when he has a Hulk or a Thor in his list, and they just need to get further in the battle and do some heavy damage. Also, you can use it defensively for Loki, or you can even use it offensively for Loki to teleport in the middle of an objective and become that god of mischief, increase people's power costs with their abilities, you know, trigger trickster, it gets really weird really quick, Chris, which is great because this is how this character should play. I can't wait to get to more gems in the future, but it's interesting to see these gems this early and what they do. It's exciting. It's a whole new aspect to the game. It's an entirely new way to think about list building characters. It's a lot. This game's very multidimensional. This game's very complicated. Right. And we might see more gems in the future. I'm thinking, Chris, you know, that gems will be a staple of the Black Order. Like they might be cheaper or they might just be a central part of Thanos' kit. Time will tell. But I'm super interested to just see where these fit in the future. As of right now, they don't really stand out that much, though they're really fun. I really like the space gym. I like the teleport. That's pretty great. This also ignores, of course, terrain and line of sight and things. It just says range two, where they teleport to. So that's nice, but I'm not sure if it's in the design space currently. We'll just have to play around with it. But you know what? Loki can have two different gems, and that's pretty neat. I think that's incredibly telling for how powerful his character is. Oh, yeah, definitely. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Catch our streams of Marvel Crisis Protocol at twitch.tv slash Fury's Finest. Of course, we're not streaming right now due to the state of things, but it's something we're really looking forward to expanding in the future. I also want to get into making just videos at some point, and the Patreon's making that stuff happen, though it is a ways out because we do have a lot of things we want to get in line before we do that, and we want to provide the highest quality we can. I'm super excited for the future of streaming and videos around MCP, Chris. I agree. Follow the show on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast, Instagram at Fury's Finest, and Facebook at Fury's Finest. Email us at Fury's Finest at gmail.com and leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. We will read these on future episodes. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our intro and outro music, and please help spread the word about our show by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. Yeah, we still keep getting new listeners every day, Chris, so I cannot thank you guys enough. If you're new here, thank you for subscribing and listening. If you can spread the word of 
our show to some of your friends or people in your local MCP gaming group, we would greatly appreciate it. You can find me, Jesse, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Jesse Aiken, J-E-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. I also do a weekly Star Wars podcast called The Canon Cantina. It's fun to talk about Star Wars every week, and it's something I'm super passionate about. So I would really love if you check out The Canon Cantina. You can follow me, Chris, on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T. Thanks for listening, true believers. Excelsior! The world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong. It's not this simpler. Is this not your natural state? It's the unspoken truth of humanity that you crave subjugation. The bright lure of freedom diminishes your life's joy in a mad scramble for power, for identity. You were made to be ruled. In the end, you will always kneel.